Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What a week it's been already and we're hardly even there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Thursday, not Sam Thursday. That's right. Your mid to late week update on everything going on in this grand world of sports entertainment that we live in. My name is... The last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, known in some circles as Scoops Roberts, hack wrestling journalist. Either way, we're here. It's Not Sam Wrestling. Happy Thursday. Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. Unless you wait to Friday morning to listen to this or you catch up over the weekend or you're way behind or whatever it is. Happy day. Happy day. It's always a happy day because there is always wrestling on somewhere in this era that we're living in right now. And a grand era that it is. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got another weekend where, as of this podcast, you know, you can chill out on Thursday night, but you have three days of wrestling. You got SmackDown, you got NWA Into the Fire. I think CZW Cage of Death is also this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. And then on Sunday, you got TLC. And maybe we'll do a TLC post show for the Patreon people since I'm going to be home for it. Whoa! So much content given to you, not only by yours truly here on Not Sam Wrestling, but also all these grand wrestling promotions out there. Don't forget, speaking of content, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. The folks that are at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, they have access to the entire video version of Thursday Not Sam Thursday every week, of the State of Wrestling every week. But over at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, not only do we upload every interview that we do, but... We upload pieces from Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. We upload pieces from the State of Wrestling. We got all kinds of content, and it's a brand new YouTube channel. It helps more than you know to simply click that subscribe button at youtube.com slash Wrestling and watch the videos. Get those minutes watched up. It's all great content, so enjoy it over there. Um, man, I'm enjoying this. I just got this box from uh, Ringside Collectibles. It's a spot for wrestling figures. And can you believe there is already a Keith Lee figure out for Christmas? Uh, You talk about perfect timing. Keith Lee is on this hot streak over the course of the last month or so. And there is a Keith Lee figure that is out. I have it. They have it at Ringside Collectibles. It's going to be popping up on the shelves, you know, anytime now. But if you want it in time for Christmas, you get it from Ringside Collectibles. Uh, But Mattel has just been very smart about how they've figured out how to do figures, uh, WWE figures, in the last year or so. You know, they've got this, uh, especially since NXT has been on TV, but even before NXT was on USA, they were pumping out a lot more figures of NXT superstars this year than they ever have before. 
And what that really, the benefit is not only now that you get figures of your favorites from NXT, but the real benefit is that when guys get signed up to Raw or to SmackDown, you instantly have their figures on the shelves. It really is incredible business. I mean, as soon as Aleister Black was on the main roster, there was an Aleister Black figure that was popping up on shelves. As soon as Keith Lee jumps on this hot streak, there's a Keith Lee figure that's on the shelves. It's incredible. They're putting out a Matt Riddle figure with bare feet and everything. The stuff Mattel is doing uh, is super cool. And they've like got a whole new sculpt for Keith Lee so it matches his actual body. It's an amazing figure. Uh, but yeah, so I'm super excited about a lot of stuff right now. But let's get into it. Let's get into Thursday, not Sam Thursday. And let's talk about what I think to me... So when we last left you, I had talked about the release of... Uh, Luke Harper, I had to add an addendum because I'm recording the podcast. And when I was recording the podcast, the only person that had been released was Sin Cara, who had publicly asked for his release. I had to add an addendum because as soon as I was done recording, WWE announced the release of Luke Harper. And then right after I published the podcast or set it to publish on Sunday night for Monday morning, they also announced that The Ascension had been released. I think all four of those people, it was probably the right move. You know, I think Sin Cara and The Ascension more so because nothing really had been happening with those characters on WWE TV. Luke Harper also nothing had been happening with. I just feel like there is a lot more potential for Luke Harper to do stuff, and I think we'll see stuff from him in 2020. But, you know, no shocks there with anybody. The only real noteworthy thing was that WWE was releasing people. It's something that used to be an annual thing that WWE did. They would, on a day, you know, within a month of WrestleMania or so, they would kind of clean house and uh, and shed a lot of the guys that maybe weren't doing much. And for some people, it was awful, and for some people, it was great. You know, I think that I think that it can be a good opportunity if you're under contract and and there's not much going on with you to go out there and do it on your own and, and and increase your value, you know? I mean, I think John Morrison is coming back, I believe, with more value now than he had when he left WWE because of everything that he's done over the last, whatever it's been, eight years or so, you know, winning world titles. He's been a, he's been a consistent main eventer in every promotion that he's been in. So I think that gives him this clout where he left WWE and seemingly didn't miss a step. And everybody remembers him from leaving. So I think he actually comes back stronger than when he left. And that's the ideal thing that happens when you leave a place like WWE is that, okay, now you're on your own. It's time to prove your worth. And if you're worth as much as you think you are, you can get back to the WWE in an even better position than when you started. Um, we also found out that uh, I believe Primo Cologne. I want to say Primo. One of the Colognes and Robert Rude are uh, on a 30-day suspension for wellness policy violations, which is a bummer, but it's also, you know, who knows what that means. The wellness policy is uh, ever-reaching, so we don't exactly know what that means, but it's a shame, especially for Robert Rude, because I feel like he was, he's definitely, since being in NXT, at the best point he has been in his WWE career. So to see him miss 30 days now for something that is probably not 30 days that he had to miss, meaning had he made a couple of different choices, 
he wouldn't be missing this, I'm assuming. Uh, it's a shame. But to me, I think that the most talked about, the most talked about story in the last few days has been the WWE's early announcement of who's going in to the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Now, why would the WWE announce in December who's entering the Hall of Fame in April? I would imagine that it simply has everything to do with tickets going on sale. And WWE goes, hey, we're putting the tickets to the Hall of Fame ceremony on sale. We want the ticket-buying public to know what you're buying tickets for. And by the way, it's going to be a great show. We've got Dave Batista and the NWO going into the Hall of Fame. Two huge Huge names going in. Um, I don't, so I would expect that this will be the new normal. I think that we will have the class be flushed out a little more um, once we get a lot closer to the Hall of Fame. I don't think that, you know, we're going to get one a month or anything like that. I think that we're going to get this announcement now. And then in March, we're going to get what the rest of the class looks like. I would imagine that would be what I would think would happen. Uh, the Hall of Fame this year is going to be on Thursday because of the changing of the schedule. So you've got Hall of Fame Thursday, SmackDown Friday, TakeOver Saturday, WrestleMania Sunday, Raw on Monday. So Tampa, get your adult diapers ready and put your wrestling shoes on. Get something padded to put on your seat bottom because you're going to be sitting there for a long time watching a lot of amazing wrestling, okay? So... In terms of who's going in this year, I think Dave Batista having one more run last year. Give me what I want, Batista. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. And now he wants a Hall of Fame ring, so he's getting one. Uh, he made the announcement that that was his last match. He was very, very public about that, not in a negative way, just in a, I've done everything it is that I want to do in professional wrestling. Uh, you won't see me again in a wrestling ring. You won't see me again having another match. I wanted to have one more match with Triple H. I had one more match with Triple H. We had a story going in. I liked it. I'm all finished. I'm set. I'm good. And when you look at the career of Batista, I mean, how could you not put him in the Hall of Fame? You know, for that ruthless aggression era, he was one of the top stars. And it's interesting, too, because for guys my age, you know, we had the Attitude Era in high school. So that Batista era was when guys my age, we were in our 20s, we were young adults. We don't have that nostalgic childhood love for the era that other people might. And you don't really understand that until we get to the place where we are in 2019. And now, if you talk to people that are in their 20s, they grew up with Batista. Batista is an icon to that group of people. The people that are in their early 20s now, Batista was the biggest star in the world. You had Batista, you had Cena, you had Orton, Triple H. Those were your stars of the day. So, you know, and, and for anybody, in the John Cena era, John Cena was such a big star. For 10 full years, that he eclipsed almost everybody. And not even intentionally, just due to the fact that there was just so much star power going on there. He was the attraction. So the fact that somebody in the midst of that John Cena era could break through and become a star themselves, I think that right there for Batista is a big deal. The fact that every time he's come back, 
It's been a moment. I was going to say every time he's come back, it's been welcomed, but it hasn't always been welcomed. However, here's the thing with Batista. This is how you know Batista is loved, right? Because, and I think the reason that he's loved is because of what he evolved into. We watched Batista come in as Deacon Batista. You know, he's just this muscle-bound dude that uh, gets trained at, I believe he was trained in Ohio Valley Wrestling um, way before NXT, but in WWE developmental. And he shows up on SmackDown pretty quick after the initial Raw SmackDown draft when the Dudley boys have been separated and Bubba Ray Dudley is on Monday Night Raw as a single star and Devon Dudley has become the Reverend Devon on SmackDown and a few weeks after his debut he introduces the Deacon Batista and it's Batista but he's got like a think in my mind's eye it's a blazer with the sleeves ripped off and a big chain with a collection box on the end of it. And the Deacon Batista is there. And immediately, immediately you look at him like, whoa, who is this beast? Now, there are people that you've looked at and said, whoa, who is this beast? And nothing comes of it, you know? That initial, you have my attention, is not an instant recipe for success. But I think that we as fans got to watch the growth of Batista. And I think specifically... The evolution of Batista when he was in evolution started to turn a lot of people. I think if you watch Batista before he's in evolution, if you watch what he goes through while he's in evolution and who he is as a performer when he gets out of evolution, you look at somebody who has really just grown tremendously in a very short period of time. I think that Batista gained uh, the respect of a lot of people the way he went out the first time. When he's sitting in his wheelchair with his arm in a sling and he's whining and he says, I quit, I quit, I quit. And he quits, but it's in character and it's a story, but he was actually leaving. And the whole thing was great. I think the way Batista left the first time, a lot of people respected him for it. When Batista came back, the fact that his return did not go according to plan is not Batista's fault. It is the fault of, at the time, not having a pulse on the audience. That in that moment, the audience was hungry to see somebody like Daniel Bryan become a star, and they were more hungry for that than they were for seeing a former star return to reclaim glory. And I don't think that that run should be remembered for it, you know, it not being successful. Look, the beginning was wonky, you know. Batista shows up in the Royal Rumble and he wins it, but he doesn't even have proper wrestling gear on. You know what I mean? He's just got those, like, uh, plain uh, Muay Thai tights or whatever he was wearing. You know, that wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But by the time you got to WrestleMania, a fantastic story had been told surrounding Batista. And that triple threat with Randy Orton, Batista, and Daniel Bryan, who earlier in the night had defeated Triple H at WrestleMania 30, is one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. I mean, I think, in my opinion, when you talk about WrestleMania moments, of course, you start with WrestleMania 3. I think, you know, Hogan passing the torch to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6 is a big moment. Um, You know, I think as we go forward, the next big moment... Maybe Sean and the boyhood dream. I know that was an attempt at a moment. Some people like it. Some people don't. 
You know, I think WrestleMania 14, Stone Cold beating Shawn Michaels is a moment. I think uh, Hogan and The Rock, obviously, is a moment. But I think, you know, you look, and Daniel Bryan winning that title is 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 a huge moment. And Batista is not ancillary in that story. You know, I think, I think Batista being brought back and not being well-received because he's not who fans wanted at the time actually makes the story better because when we finally acknowledged what was going on and got to WrestleMania— it really made the story work, you know, and I think coming off of WrestleMania, the reformation of Evolution and Blue Tista, I, I mean, I just loved that everybody was obsessed with the fact that he wore blue. I don't know if he likes that or not, but I think he should take pride in it, you know? I mean, we go back to talking about Mattel. Mattel made a figure of it. He's, I've got a Blue Tista figure on the shelf. I think it's great. Fashion forward. But I think that even when he left that time, I think Batista coming in, I think doing that one more reunion with Evolution, I think that it was Evolution versus The Shield. And when he left, and he left Triple H, it was kind of an acknowledgement of, I don't want anything to do with this. This whole thing didn't work. And I think he gained people's respect again after that. I believe that the SmackDown promo that he cut when Evolution was back together again, this is, you know, uh, two years ago or so, and he cut that promo on Triple H that felt like it was out of nowhere, off the cuff, was like, whoa, we want this badly. And I think that that last run, working up to the match with Triple H, you know, I, I think that the only hiccup in that was Batista was working as a heel, and he has built up so much love in the wrestling community, that it became very difficult to boo that man. I, wrestling, I The wrestling fans that I talk to, there's a lot of love for Batista out there, and they should be. You know, I think as big as the NWO is, because Batista's one man, I kind of hope Batista headlines the thing. You could definitely say that the NWO should, but I think it would be nice to let somebody who maybe wasn't a part of the Attitude Era headline it you know the nwo gets a lot of credit and they're deserving of it but they get a lot of credit for what they do i think batista deserves to headline the thing that's my opinion now we look at the nwo the nwo is also getting inducted into the hall of fame and i kind of feel like it would be awesome maybe just have one ring and if you have one ring for the nwo that's the question if you have one ring for the nwo who do you give it to? Do you give it to the first person who showed up, and that's Scott Hall? Do you give it to somebody who really became one of the leaders, certainly the leader of the Wolfpack, Kevin Nash? Do you give it to Hulk Hogan, who set them on their way by turning heel and shocking the world? Or do you give it to Eric Bischoff? Because not only was Eric Bischoff a member of the NWO, but... I mean, it was also his creation, right? He was in charge of WCW at the time. Hey, before we go a step further, I want to talk to you guys about one of our most loyal, most wonderful, most handy sponsors to Not Same Wrestling. And of course, I'm talking about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the spot that helps you find tickets to anything you're looking for. There's millions of live event tickets out there. Sports, live music, comedy, wrestling, everything. Broadway. SeatGeek has all of them. 
and they're all in one place. Your telephone. SeatGeek even rates them. Scale of 1 to 10. That way you know exactly what type of deal you're getting. Hey, if you want to pay a ton of money for the seats that you're in, you can. But if you want to make sure that you've got a better deal for your tickets than the guy who's sitting next to you, SeatGeek has you hooked up. Green dots are good deals. Red dots are overpriced. They have seating charts for every single event that exists. You just, it's so, I have it on my phone, okay? I can put in my zip code and it'll tell me what's going on. If I have a free Friday night, which never happens, but if I have one free night and I go, I want to make the most of it, I put in my zip code and I go, what's around me right now? If I just need to go to a WWE show, I write WWE. It shows me WWE's entire schedule. I can click on any arena that I want to go to. I look at the seating chart. I say, hey, that's where I want to sit. Good for me. There's a green dot there. That means I got a good deal. I'm going to go ahead and pick that up. Boom, you pick it up. Guess what? All tickets are 100% guaranteed. So I'm not going to go to the arena and look like a joker with fake tickets. It's never going to happen because I use SeatGeek. It's that easy. I don't think at this point you're wondering anymore why SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews. It's an incredible spot, and I'm going to make the deal even sweeter. $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Yes, $10 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code SAM for $10 off your first purchase, SeatGeek. It's the greatest thing going, dude. Uh, the NWO that's going into the Hall of Fame is Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Six-Pac. X-Pac, but because he's in the NWO, he's Six-Pac. And that is controversial to a lot of people. You know, people are, specifically the Sean Waltman inclusion has been a huge topic of conversation. Some people uh, don't think there should be a fourth member. And look, you know, when you're talking about going into the Hall of Fame, I think if you just said the NWO is going into the Hall of Fame, it's Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. I don't think anybody's complaining. I think everybody agrees on that, that nobody is complaining if those three go into the Hall of Fame. But I also think if you have four NWO members going into the Hall of Fame, X-Pac is definitely the fourth member. And some people disagree with that. Some people say it should be the big show because he was the actual fourth member of the NWO. Uh, the Giant becoming a member of the NWO was a huge deal because he was a WCW-created star, and that was the first WCW-created star and let the world know that, hey, anybody could join at any time. And, you know, the Giant was a main event guy, and he was, he was, he was amazing, you know? Some people think that, you know, and then you know, Ted DiBiase is technically the fifth member of the NWO. And Sean Waltman is the sixth member of the NWO, hence S-Y-X-X-6. Uh, but I think, and, and a lot of people I've read too think that Eric Bischoff should be the fourth person to go, and it should be Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Eric Bischoff, because again, Eric Bischoff created the NWO and represented everything that WCW was at the time. I don't think it should be Eric Bischoff, and I don't think it should be the Giant. I think it, a fourth member should be Sean Waltman. And that's because I think, Sean Waltman represents the NWO as closely as Scott Hall, as closely as anyone can to Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan. I think that regardless of what anybody wants to say, the NWO 
in its incarnation. And the NWO that really caught fire was the WWE is coming in and invading WCW. And nobody associated with WCW will really say that. They'll go like, oh, well, it was... uh, it was people who didn't like WCW. It was people who thought they were mistreated in WCW. It was this, it was that, but that's not true. I mean, I remember Bash at the Beach 1996. I didn't order the pay-per-view. And I called my friend who did. And I said, who won, WWF or WCW? And he said, WWF won. But they're not that anymore. You know, it was before the NWO had even been named. Hulk Hogan turned on him. And I'm like, oh, of course, Hulk Hogan joined Scott, Razor Ramon and Diesel because he's a WWE guy too. You know, that's what the whole thing was. I think that the NWO is very ingrained in a WWE invasion of WCW. And I think the NWO is also very ingrained in the click, as is DX. DX and the NWO, the Venn diagram comes together with those click members in the middle. The hand gesture, the too sweet hand gesture, that was a click hand gesture before it was an NWO hand gesture. So I think the fact that X-Pac w- was somebody who left WWE to go join the NWO, like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash did. I think the fact that he was a click member, like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And look, I mean, I think the fact that he's just an awesome dude who should be celebrated as often as humanly possible and is an example of everything that can go right after everything goes wrong. I mean, anybody that's down in the dirt, anybody that's down on their luck, look at Sean Waltman. Think about his story. Read up on him. Listen to his podcast. Realize the person that you see now and the person that you saw 10 years ago even, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, it's night and day. You talk about a transformation of a man. He's a role model. And I think he should get as much spotlight as humanly possible. I think he deserves to go in. Look, I mean, one of the most, when you look at NWO t-shirts, right? There was the basic NWO shirt. There was the outsider shirt. There was the Hollywood Hogan shirt. And then after that, After the NWO logo, the Outsiders, and the Hollywood t-shirts, the other big NWO t-shirt, the NWO t-shirt that I had was the one with the big six ball on the back. That shirt was so popular at the time that I had the NWO logo shirt and I had the NWO logo shirt that had a six ball on the back. Those are the shirts that I had. I had the NWO shirt. I had the original Outsider shirt with a picture of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash on it. And then I had the NWO shirt with the six ball on the back of it. I think that there are people that are not giving enough credit to what six did in the NWO. Let's be honest. Six brought an entirely different style of wrestling to the NWO. Go back and watch the first NWO pay-per-view. Sold out. S-O-U-L-E-D. There is one, count them, one good match on the entire pay-per-view. And guess whose match it is? X-Pac. Suck it. It's Six's match. It's the only good match on the whole pay-per-view. And the fact that he left and joined DX, and the reason it was such a big deal that he joined DX was because he was just coming from the NWO as Six. He was... 
Six leaving the NWO and showing up in a WWE ring. Six leaving WCW and showing up in a WWE ring as X-Pac was one of the real, one of the moments where you go, oh, maybe WCW is losing power, right? When WCW is grabbing hot names from WWE, you got guys like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and all these guys that could go wherever they want. And they decide to go to WCW. It makes WCW look like a hotter product. Sean Waltman did that at one point. But Sean Waltman was really the first to go, you know what? I'm going to abandon ship in WCW and I'm going to show up to WWE and make an impact. And he was a big star in WWE just as he was in the NWO. So I think that I think that the argument that he is not the fourth member is ridiculous, insane, and absurd. I think that if you're arguing only three men should go into the Hall of Fame representing the NWO, okay, you know, I could I'm not I wouldn't be mad if Hall, Nash, and Hogan just went in. But if you're like, no, we're gonna add another member, then yeah, it should be X Pac. Personally, I think you should take everybody in the NWO and put them all on that stage. Or if you're going to do it like you did it last year, you're going to have a ring, do it World War III style. So you have three rings. I want everybody who was ever in the NWO on that Hall of Fame stage. Everybody. And make rings for all of them. I mean, some of them it's going to be ridiculous because then Stevie Ray becomes a two-time Hall of Famer. But for other people, I mean... When is Masahiro Chono going to get his WWE Hall of Fame ring? Probably never. Is the great Muta going into the Hall of Fame? He should, but will he? I don't know. He's a member of NWO Japan, though. He should go in. Is Scott Flash Norton going into the WWE Hall of Fame? Probably never. But if the NWO goes into the Hall of Fame, he was a member. Get Buff Bagwell on that stage. Virgil gets his ring. Virgil may become a two-time Hall of Famer if the whole NWO goes in. Put the wolf back in there. K-Dog gets a ring. Disco Inferno gets a ring. Sting gets a ring. Not only as Sting, but he gets a ring uh, as Crow Sting that he got before as a singles. And now he gets a, 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 a wolf pack Sting ring. Sting goes in in the red and black. Wolfpack, baby, for life. Somos unos vatos locos. NWO Sting, the fake Sting. He gets to go in the Hall of Fame. The LWO is going in too, because that is also the NWO. That means Eddie Guerrero gets another posthumous ring. Psychosis gets a ring. Laparca gets a ring. El Dandy gets a ring. It's about time El Dandy had a Hall of Fame ring. By the way, NWO Silver is going in too. 2000 NWO is going in too. Jeff Jarrett gets himself another ring. Bret Hart gets another ring. That's three rings for Bret. I think that would make Bret the first three-time Hall of Famer. Basically, the only people not going into the Hall of Fame, Dusty would get another ring. Dusty's NWO for life. Because when you're NWO, you're NWO for life. Put them all in. Put all of the NWO members. Big Boss Man gets another ring. Eric Bischoff gets his ring, of course. Larry Zabisco, no ring for you. DDP, no ring for you. Ric Flair, no ring for you. I think everybody else gets a ring. Goldberg, no ring for you. Kurt Henning gets another ring. Hell yeah, he does. He was NWO for life, just like everybody else. IRS gets a ring. 
Go on, get that ring. Or you know what you could do? Have every member of the NWO ever and bring them into the Hall of Fame. Actually, I don't think Booker T was ever in the NWO. So Booker T, I'm sorry, you don't get another ring because you did not, you're not NWO for life. You have to be NWO for life if you get a ring. But I think every single NWO member should be on that stage. Rick Rude gets a ring. All of them. Lex Luger gets a ring. Miss Elizabeth gets a ring. Brian Adams gets a ring. And then the WWE members of the NWO get rings too. I mean, Shawn Michaels is getting another ring. Was Booker T in the WWE NWO? I think he was. Booker, I take that back. Another ring for you. Everybody in the NWO gets rings. Why not? Another ring, of course, for the madness, baby. Macho Man Randy Savage, he gets a ring. I can't wait to see it. Big Papa Pump gets a ring, that's for sure. I don't think Rick ever got one. Not that I remember anyway. I just can't wait to hear El Dandy's speech. I think it'll be great. I'm seeing if I missed anybody. Oh, of course. Bruce the Barber Beefcake, that's a second ring for you. One more ring for the Beefcake. The Disciples going in. Nick Patrick is going in. Dennis Rodman is going into the Hall of Fame. It's going to be great. Tori Wilson and David Flair and... I mean, Rick Steiner never fully joined, it said. So Tori Wilson and David Flair get to go into the Hall of Fame. Oh, I think the NWO girls get to go into the Hall of Fame, too. That means Midaja. That means pa Pamela Paulshock. <laughs> Ron and Don Harris joined the NWO. Yep, Ron and Don are going in. Tylene Buck and April Hunter. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Of course they des deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. Because when you're NWO... Your NWO for life. Oh, my God. Let's get into what happened uh, this week. That was a lot to talk about with the NWO. Let's get into what happened this week. I thought uh, NXT uh, was real. I mean, surprise, surprise. It was really, really good for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, uh, I thought that uh, uh, the triple threat match between... Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, and Keith Lee was something very, very special. They managed to make everybody look amazing, have a concrete winner without anybody looking bad. Had one second change, Keith Lee would have been able to pin Tommaso Ciampa. Had a different second change, Tommaso Ciampa never would have taken that move from Keith Lee, and he could have, he could have won that match. Finn Balor came out of nowhere Hit him with the coup de grace. I thought everybody came out looking better. Everybody came out looking like a main eventer. And who is not tuning into NXT next week to watch Rhea Ripley versus uh, Shayna Baszler and Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the respective men's and women's championship of NXT? I mean, come on. I thought two matches really stood out. I thought the triple threat number one contenders match, and I thought the cruiserweight title match really stood out. And I'll tell you why the Cruiserweight title match stood out. I'll tell you what did not stand out. Kushida taking that hat. I thought we had moved past taking hats. Regardless, the Cruiserweight match stood out even though I did not believe any of the near falls that happened before Angel Garza took his pants off. 
All of the near falls that happened while Angel Garza's pants were still on, I said to myself, there's no way that this match is ending with Angel Garza's pants still on. That's not why would he have those pants if not to take them off mid-match. I do think that Angel Garza taking his pants off mid-match is one of the best wrestling gimmicks ever. It's hilarious, and I can't believe it's never been done. Um, the reason why I thought that Cruiserweight title match was so great is because NXT has already done what I think Raw never did. For a long time, that Cruiserweight title was defended on Raw. The Cruiserweight division was displayed on Raw. And every week on this podcast, I would tell you, turning the ropes purple is stupid. Lighting the ring is stupid. Changing the uh, turnbuckle pads to purple is stupid. Making the arena look like cruiserweight matches are happening on a different show than Monday Night Raw, only to change it back, does not make cruiserweights look better. It makes them look worse. It makes it look like okay, we're taking a break from our real show to put this secondary show on. It was not a good presentation, in my very humble opinion. Already on NXT, the NXT Cruiserweight Championship feels so much more like the WCW Cruiserweight title did when it was good. When you'd see a Cruiserweight Championship match on Nitro... It was it, it did it did not feel like we're taking a break from Nitro to present you this match. It was an attraction. It was oh you got to see this. I love that Angel Garza could have a match with Tommaso Ciampa. Angel Garza Angel Garza could have a match with Dominic Dijakovic. But Angel Garza could also challenge for the Cruiserweight Championship. Leo Rush is going to want a rematch with Angel Garza for the Cruiserweight Championship at some point. But on his way, maybe he's going to fight Cameron Grimes. Maybe he's going to fight Matt Riddle. Maybe he's going to fight Keith Lee. You know, it actually feels like the Cruiserweight title has been incorporated into NXT. And that the athletes competing for the Cruiserweight title are simply NXT athletes that can hang with any other athlete, you know. I think that the idea that cruiserweights can only wrestle cruiserweights even if it's not a championship match is ridiculous because weight there are no actual weight classes. Meaning the heavyweight championship of the world, it's not like you have to be, if you're 250 pounds or above, you can only wrestle guys that are 250 pounds or above. Or if you're a super heavyweight at 400 pounds, you're never going to wrestle somebody who's 300 pounds. Like, those weight classes don't exist. I think it's okay for there to be a cruiserweight championship, but I think the idea that cruiser people competing for the cruiserweight championship will only ever compete against other cruiserweights is limiting and silly. Oh, it's the holiday season, and you guys know. All right, at some point, you give your partner the gift that you think they have been looking for, and you screw up. Everything's wrong with it. They go, don't you love me? You go, yeah, can I show you that I love you? They go, how are you going to show me that you love me? And you look down just below your waist, and you realize you can't do it. Whether it's your confidence, whether you're just tired, whatever it is, there's a million excuses why you can't. It's the burden that a lot of men have. Can't get it up. And now you got to sit there and your partner's going like, so you mean to tell me I got a lame duck partner and you can't get me gifts? That's when you go like this. Hang on. That's the sound of you chewing. You go, no, I can't get you gifts, but I'm far from a lame duck. 
and that's when the Yule log will rise. Why? Because the thing you were chewing on was Blue Chew. Yes, Blue Chew. Thank God Blue Chew is sponsoring this episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Blue Chew will bring you back to a time when you are always ready to go, when you are always ready to please that person in your life with the manhood bestowed upon you by the heavens. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. It does exactly what you think it does. It makes you feel like a man again, and it makes your partner feel like you're a man again. Anytime, day or night, they're chewable. They work faster than pills. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. So not only can you satisfy the person that you love, you don't have to be awkward about it at the line waiting to have your prescription filled. No, you can get right to filling your partner. I'm sorry, that was vulgar. It's made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. It's amazing. Try it right now. You go like this. Yeah, I want to try it, but it seems expensive. Yeah, how about free 99? That's right. It's on the house. This one's on me. Let me buy you your first Blue Chew. Visit bluechew.com, and because you're a listener to Not Sam Wrestling, your first shipment is going to be free. Use our promo code, Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S, and you'll just pay $5 shipping. $5 shipping, and you get your first shipment of Blue Chew for free. B-L-U-E, chew.com. Promo code ROBERTS to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. I love that in NXT, they've incorporated the title into the active show and it's become an attraction, not a distraction. I think they're doing a really good job with that Cruiserweight title and they have brought a lot of stock back to it, in my personal opinion. Um, I thought with Raw... Uh, I thought, look, I'm happy with the Rusev storyline, number one. I actually think as the dust settles that this story is done good for Rusev. I was skeptical of it at first. I thought that there was, it was a no-win situation for Rusev. But I think that Rusev going nuts on Lana and on Bobby Lashley has been a net positive for Rusev. I actually think that that part of it is going okay. I'm, the storyline still makes no sense, and it's just plot. It's got, it's got more plot holes than a road at the end of winter has potholes. It's ridiculous. Driving down this story, we're not in cruise control as we go through this story. We're bumping, boom, 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 boom. You may blow out a tire. Make sure you got your AAA card on you. That's all I'm saying as you're going through this story. But the net positive of it is Rusev is bringing back Rusev Day, and people are excited about it. And we're actually getting a match. We're actually getting the match at TLC. Rusev versus Bobby Lashley, and I believe it's a tables match. So uh, hopefully there will be some kind of conclusion to this. By the way, I listened to CM Punk's idea for the story on um, WWE Backstage. I think CM Punk is a great contributor to that show, but I think if anybody besides CM Punk had come up with the idea that CM Punk pitched, CM Punk would be saying, we need to change, wrestling is stupid and we need to change it. Like, there is nothing 
about the idea that CM Punk pitched that does not feel like a WWE idea. You know, it, 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 it didn't feel outside of the box to me. Um, but I am happy that a match is finally happening and we're finally getting somewhere with it. I was disappointed to see Sami Zayn on the show. Not because I was ever disappointed to see Sami Zayn. I think he's a performer of a lifetime. I think he's incredible. I think he's good at just about any role you put him in. And I would watch Sami Zayn on every show. However, it upsets the integrity of the brand split, you know? He's like, well, I got a managerial license so I can get past the rules. Yeah, but the same way we wouldn't see a WWE manager at Ring of Honor, we shouldn't see a SmackDown manager on Raw. I think that it should be that cut and dry that there should really be a full-on explanation as to how somebody got on this show. And there should be a lot of ramifications and consequences that go along with it. I think just saying, well, I'm a manager, so the draft is only for wrestlers. Oh, so Paul Heyman is going between brands? No. Oh, Zelina Vega is going between brands? No. Oh. So just you then? Yeah, just me. Is Malcolm Bivens showing up? On Raw and SmackDown? No, he's just looking for NXT talent. Oh, just you then? Yeah, just me. Okay. Especially to, like, be a representative of Mojo Raleigh. Like, is that really enough to take you off of SmackDown and bring you over to Raw? I hope, and there's plenty of people that could act as managers on, on Raw anyway. So hopefully they'll find another person who can be a voice for people on Monday Night Raw. Because I think the role of the manager is is actually missed. You know, I think that a lot of people could use a mouthpiece like Sami Zayn. I just don't think it should be Sami Zayn unless they're on SmackDown. I would have no problem with Sami Zayn building a stable on SmackDown. I think that would be cool. But I don't think it should happen in between shows. Um, I think the Seth heel turn has been great. I think that the the fact that they're telling that story over the course of several weeks and while you know it's inevitable... You don't know when it's coming. I think it's been done really well. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Seth Rollins story. I like that as I'm watching Raw, I don't know if I'm going to get the turn tonight or I'm going to get something that's going to lead to getting the turn at TLC or at Raw next week or whatever it is. We still, I mean, we don't have, as far as TLC goes, we don't have a Seth Rollins-Kevin Owens match. So it didn't necessarily have to happen this week, but I liked that it did because it was unexpected. I liked the way it happened. I think it's good for the Authors of Pain. I think it's good for Kevin Owens. I think it's good for Seth Rollins. And I think Kevin Owens, if you want Seth Rollins to get booed, give him an opponent like Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens is going to get cheered. Kevin Owens is a good guy that gets cheered. So put him in there with Seth Rollins. I think it's a great idea. Um, I think they're doing the right thing with Seth Rollins. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm super happy with it. I'm, as they say, not mad at it. All right, let's talk about the weekend. First of all, um, you got two shows on on Fight TV on Saturday, right? You have at 6.05, you've got uh, NWA Into the Fire. So NWA Into the Fire, you're looking at uh, two out of three falls match between Nick Aldis and James Storm, NWA Championship, obviously on the line, the World's Heavyweight Championship. You got the national championship on the line, Colt Cabana versus Aaron Stevens versus Ricky Starks. Okay, well, I'll tell you, I want Nick Aldis to retain, obviously. I think he should take a fall. I don't think he should go two falls straight. I think he should take a fall, make him seem a little bit vulnerable, but, you know, and James Storm, make him look a little bit better by getting at least one fall. But, you know, I think I want to see Nick Aldis uh, remain the NWA champion. Um, 
I wouldn't mind seeing Ricky Starks take the national championship away from Colt Cabana. You know, I think it'd be interesting to see Colt Cabana have to chase the thing. Um, you know, I think that'd be cool. And it would be a, it would be a nice uh, pick-me-up for Ricky Starks. We all know who Colt Cabana is. We all know Aaron Stevens from the, the Damian Sandow days. I think it'd be nice to throw, throw a bone to Ricky Starks, put the national championship on him, and see what he can do with it. The World Tag Team Championship is on the line. The Wild Cards versus the Rock and Roll Express. I think the Wild Cards have to win. I think that it's cool to have the Rock and Roll Express, and I think that the NWA should keep them around and keep them wrestling. But I don't think that they should have a title. I don't think that the end, the, the Rock and Roll Express in 2019 should be the picture of the current NWA's tag team scene. I think they should be on the scene, you know, and I think they can be a threat, but I think that I think we have to have a tag team championship title change uh, at Into the Fire. We've also got the question mark versus Trevor Murdoch, a match that I like because you know they did not plan on putting the question mark on this pay-per-view. You know it was just a goof, but he's just so popular they had to do it. You've got uh, Allison Kay and Ashley Vox versus Melina, Thunder Rose, or Marty Bell, only two out of the three. That'll be interesting. And then Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson, uh, which is a good example of stories being told in uh, on NWA Power through uh, through promos. I've been loving the Eli Drake and Kevin uh, 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 Ken Anderson promos. I think they've been really good. On the same night, on Saturday, right after on Fight TV, I'm assuming right after because 6:05 is early. So after that, you can stay on Fight TV and watch Cage of Death 21 CZW Cage of Death. 21. Big TV star uh, Chris uh, Statlander is on the show. She's got a match against uh, 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 Brittany Blake. But, of course, the main event is going to be the big Cage of Death match. Uh, And that's Brandon Kirk versus Jimmy Lloyd. Jimmy Lloyd, at this point, is just about a deathmatch legend. So I'll be watching that, I'm sure, as well, using that Fight TV app, Cage of Death, this weekend. Uh, But, of course, the big show which we may do a post-show for, is on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, is TLC. We've actually got a card for TLC. A week ago, we didn't have not one match. <laughs> now, we do. We've got a full card, so let's talk about it. Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy. You know, I think this is just a display for Alistair Black to be on pay-per-view. I think that, I think that there are ranks to the people being used on Monday Night Raw right now. It's interesting to see, but I think Aleister Black is a superstar that's being showcased as such and should be so showcased as such. Uh, so I think that this is really, at the end of the day, it's good that Aleister Black is going to get some pay... I mean, that Buddy Murphy is going to get some pay-per-view time. It's good that uh, Buddy Murphy's. I'm sure he'll get some offense in, but realistically, this is an exhibition for Aleister Black to look good. As we talked about earlier, tables match between Rusev and Bobby Lashley. The only thing with the tables match is a lot of chicanery can happen. So I would imagine that Rusev versus Bobby Lashley is going to continue on to the Royal Rumble. Although there's not as many matches at the Royal Rumble because you've got title matches and then you've probably got two Royal Rumble matches, men's and women's. So having a grudge match at the Royal Rumble is probably not. It's just a tables match is generally not how a score is settled. A tables match is usually a chapter in a book, but not the last chapter. Uh, so we'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, the Viking Raiders are defending their tag team championships. It's an open challenge, 
But I'm just assuming it's Gallows and Anderson based on the fact that Gallows and Anderson cut that promo on them on Monday Night Raw. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't just make that match, but who knows? Who knows who it'll be? Could be anybody. Open challenge, Viking Raiders. SmackDown Tag Team Championship on the line. New Day versus The Revival. You know, what are they going to do? Not bring the house down? Of course. We can count on we can count on the revival in the new day. Uh another it's I mean it's tag team warfare at TLC. A TLC tag team match for the women's tag team championship. Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Now, this whole storyline I don't know. I feel like people are impatient. Like this idea that Charlotte is not getting the shine put on her that she deserves, or Becky is not getting the shine put on her that she deserves. Like one minute people say that they want the women's tag team championship to mean more. And then when they get main event people involved in the women's tag team championship, people are going, well, this isn't fair to Charlotte or Becky. They shouldn't be stuck in this. Meanwhile, Charlotte last week on Raw had a multi-segment handicap match against the Kabuki Warriors where she looked like a million bucks. And this week, Becky Lynch had a multi-segment handicap match against the Kabuki Warriors where she looked like a million bucks. I think that Charlotte Flair has nothing to worry about. She has a very long career. If she's going to spend a month with the Kabuki Warriors, it's really not that bad. It's fantastic for the Kabuki Warriors. It's fantastic for the Women's Tag Team Championship. And at the end of the day, we're going to see great matches because we see Kaidi Sane and we see Asuka and we see Charlotte in the ring together. We as fans win... Ultimately, Charlotte does win here. The Tag Team Championship wins, and the Kabuki Warriors win. What is the problem with it? I don't want to hear any more complaints about it. I think this is a good spot for everybody. I think it creates a tension between Becky Lynch and Charlotte. I think it puts a spotlight on Asuka and Cardi Sane. I think it puts a spotlight on the Women's Tag Team Championships. And you're putting all four of them in a TLC match. What more do you want? This pay-per-view is called TLC. There's only two TLC matches. One of them is the Roman Reigns match. The other one is yours. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. But who am I? And I want the Kabuki Warriors to win. I think the Kabuki Warriors should win. Becky should blame Charlotte. Charlotte should blame Becky. And we go to the Royal Rumble with a good old-fashioned Charlotte versus Becky match. We've seen it before, but why the hell should we not see it again? They're both fantastic, and I'd like to see it. Charlotte wants to be number one? Well, then get in there with the champion. That's what I say. The second TLC match is, of course, I don't know if they're going to hang, you know, obviously in the first TLC match, they'll hang the Women's Tag Team Championships from a ladder or, you know, from a rope to get to via a ladder. I'm assuming this will be a can of dog food hung above the ring that they'll have to climb the ladder to get. Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. You know, I think it's going to be a great match. I'm a Baron Corbin fan. I'm not happy that there are a lot of podcast listeners that were like, hey, Baron Corbin was actually pretty good on backstage. Yeah, no duh. He was awesome on this podcast. Who do you think you're dealing with? Go back and watch my interview with him. It's on the YouTube channel, YouTube slash Not Sam Wrestling. That one might be on the Not Sam channel, actually, because it's a little older. But still, subscribe to YouTube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt this will be a good match. I think, I think you know... They'll pull out all stops and just uh, kill each other, and it'll be great. Uh, And then you've got, it's not a universal championship match, and it's not The Fiend, but you've got universal champion Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. 
Uh, I think The Miz is going to get his ass kicked. Shocker. He loses big matches. It's kind of what The Miz does. Uh, but I think we are going to see story with The Fiend. I think we are going to see uh, story with Daniel Bryan, too. I think that that is going to happen. I would hope... I think that Roman Reigns and King Corbin should close this show. I think the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte is going to be great. But I think after Survivor Series, when the women ended that show, and it should have been the Roman Reigns match ending that show. Let's put Roman Reigns back ending this show. We'll see how we feel, and we'll reassess as we head towards the Royal Rumble. Does that make sense? I hope we're all satisfied. Uh, let me go to the emails here as we head into this amazing wrestling weekend. People sending emails to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. That's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Unless any of you in the Discord room that are watching via Patreon have any questions. Oh, yeah. WWE Front Row makes a good point. Tasha Steeles has a match at Into the Fire, but they're not releasing that information until tomorrow. That's exactly right. I read that Front Row because you posted it in the Discord room. Yes, Tasha Steeles is going to be making her NWA debut at Into the Fire on Saturday. We'll find out who her opponent is on Friday. Uh, John, Brian. Brian writes in to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Last Thursday, you talked about different titles that John Morrison could go after, but what about reuniting with The Miz to reform their tag team? The Miz has kind of floundered the last several months. Why not reunite them back together and have them go after the tag team championships? Thoughts? Um, I don't know. I think John Morrison is a little bigger than that, to tell you the truth. You know, and I think that, that you've got now a tag team division with a lot of tag team specialists in it. You know, I don't want to see The Miz and John Morrison beat The New Day or beat The Revival or beat Heavy Machinery or beat, you know, uh, the Viking Raiders or beat Gallows and Anderson. You know, you have these tag team acts now. We're starting to, to get back into this space where we've got real tag team acts. I think a tag team renaissance is slowly building. Once we get Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins uh, out of there, we'll really be able to say there's a tag team renaissance going on. Uh, you know, I so I don't know. I think John Morrison would be better off as a singles competitor, to tell you the truth. Uh, let's go and see what Kevin says. Kevin says, jobbers versus enhancement. He writes, hey, Sam, big fan. You get me through work on Mondays and Thursdays. My question is regarding your opinion on squash matches. Do you prefer local enhancement talent or professional jabronis like Eric Young and uh, Akira Tozawa? I wouldn't call them professional jabronis. They're just contracted talent is what I would say. He writes, I hear on other podcasts, not as good as yours. Come on, which ones are? Uh, they complain about the use of local guys when there's contracted guys not being used, but in the same breath complain about roster guys that are jobbed out in more competitive matches. What are your thoughts from Kevin? Look, I don't think it, I, I think that different people are used in different ways. I think that, you know, I, for me, it's not about like, well, you have these guys under contract. Why not use them instead of this job? Or like, if you've got Braun Strowman and you want him to beat three guys at once, you probably shouldn't just crush three guys that you have under contract. You know, I don't think that that does anything for him. Just because they are under contract doesn't mean that you should just crush them for the sake of crushing them. That said, I think that, that I like the squash matches, as I said last week or on Monday or whenever it was, that are going on right now. I like even, I you know, Matt Hardy, you could 
certainly make an argument that he has a lot more to offer than what's being used right now. However, I'm not mad at what I see. Matt Hardy, Tazawa, guys like that that are going in there and Eric Young. I think it's a good thing because I think that it it accomplishes the goal of a squash match, which is really to be an exhibition of a superstar. But when you're using guys like that that have these contracts, what you end up doing is you, I think, build more credibility for the people that are beating them. I don't think it's so much about, well, you should use contracted employees, not non-contracted employees, or 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 uh, independent contractors, or you shouldn't job out this guy or do that to that guy. Look, if you want a person to look like a million bucks, you have them win matches. If you don't want to use local talent and you want it to mean a little bit more, you use a guy like Tazawa or Tony Nese or Eric Young. I think that it's a good thing. I think it's effective. And I think for guys like that, it's better than not being on TV at all. So I, I actually I actually enjoy it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, Carson writes in, Hey, Sam, huge fan of the podcast. I've listened for a long time now. First time emailing in a question. Not samwrestling at gmail.com. He writes, Bleacher Report tweeted a question to wrestling fans asking who fans have on their Mount Rushmore. Who is on your Mount Rushmore? Can you go back to doing top 10 list again like you did before? Like top 10 factions and... Can we get another Bully Ray interview? Yeah, I was doing those top 10 lists because WWE was putting them out on Instagram and I would reorder them. So when when it comes up, yeah, I love doing those top 10 lists. And trust me when I tell you, I would do another interview with Bully Ray tomorrow. He's just, he is such a entertaining and knowledgeable guy. There's never a bad time to interview Bully Ray. So yeah, I would 100% interview Bully Ray again. But in terms of my Mount Rushmore, it's very, very difficult. And... Depending on when you ask me, I could give you a different answer. I'm going to tell you who my Mount Rushmore is as we speak. And then I'm going to tell you who I have in the bullpen that could go up there. Easy argument. My Mount Rushmore, regardless of what goes on in people's personal lives, just in terms of professional wrestling, is Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Undertaker, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't think there's a compelling argument to take any of those four names off of the Mount Rushmore. In terms of people that I considered putting up there, the other four are Randy Savage, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, and Dusty Rhodes. So those are the four guys that I wrestle with putting on Mount Rushmore. But right now I'm standing true and saying Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Undertaker, and Steve Austin, those... Those are my names for the Not Sam Wrestling Mount Rushmore, which we will be constructing. And when we do construct it, we will do a making of video and you will be able to watch it at youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Make sure you're subscribed and watching those videos. We will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Actually, not next week, Monday. Monday, franchise show, Not Sam Wrestling, baby. Technically, it's next week, but it's not a week from now. It's like four days from now, three days from now. Depending on when you're listening to this, it could be tomorrow. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam. <laughs>
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.